Because it's not just me. It's the environment I live in. Let me play my part. Check two, eight. Like, is that real? Did that happen? Like, the structure of your brain actually changes. And do you still feel that every day? And then it got time for guitars. Eating disorder, like, I didn't want to die. Tendencies. But I didn't want to live. You helpless know, little girl. You gotta go in the hospital. You feel powerless because the body has a fear reaction. The opportunity to empower. No one can take away my power. I won't take myself out. Artists that are true like that, those are the ones that tend to like create change. What point in, in this martial arts journey that you were on did you start to feel like maybe working with trauma survivors might be for you? What what led you in that direction? What's that been like? Yeah. Um, so I had worked with uh, some trauma survivors when I was working uh, at that studio, um, but didn't really hit me until I had actually left that studio, uh, went on to a different job in more of the business field, and then left there, and then eventually made my way back into actually uh, psychology. Um, and it's just, if you look at the overall, uh, psychological disturbance that you see across, um, all of us, you know, we're all sort of uncertain in the times that we're living. Mm. And I think that can be felt by everyone, right? Um, sort of the cracks that have been ignored for so long are now starting to sprout weeds. So we sort of need to figure out how we're going to mend these cracks or how we're going to redirect the foundation that we, that is cracking. Um, and so, me just seeing that, uh, I wanted to get back to the front lines. I wanted to see what experiences were being had, uh, by the environment that was created. Um, because it's not just me, it's the environment I live in. And that also creates my personality or my sense of self and how I, uh, navigate through that, uh, through that, you know, choice of living and how I end up in certain places, whether, creating my own barriers or uh, not being able to strive for something that I want to or, or feeling discouraged. Um, and so I was trying to see, well, if this is our environment, what in our environment needs to change? And there's a lot of things that have to change. And that's why there's so many different movements happening right now, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I figured the best way for me to get back into uh, or onto a platform uh, that can sort of move change uh, and sort of have a credible voice uh, to be able to express um, the concerns uh, that I think we're all having um, and then being able to put that into words the best that I can and get to as many people it was was therapy. It was, it was uh, getting an understanding of someone's whole picture uh, and seeing what people are experiencing uh, from their environment that's been created uh, and then seeing what needs to change is sort of redirected and help start healing that process. Because mm-hmm. um, I think... The most hurt people can become some of the most influential leaders. I think I think about that a lot because of the situation that I'm in. Waking up in the morning, day after day, I have to accept this and find some way to be functional. And I just think about um, basically what you just said. Like a lot of the people who've created the most change in life have had the most hardship. And I try to reverse it and think, okay, think of a really, really um, a huge change agent in the world. Think, try to think of one who had a smooth life. And 
kind of nothing comes to mind, right? It's just, I, I start to wonder, is hardship part of the recipe to be a transformative person in this world? And that kind of helps me to feel like less of a freak, I guess. Being widowed at 35, there's, I'm not the most relatable person on earth. Um, but I try to just relate to other people differently. Like I'm, I just think of the great, great leaders and think, you know, how many of them had unbearable loss and unbearable hardship. And instead of it just bringing them down, I think it humbles and teaches compassion, you know? Yeah. And it's, it goes back to, uh, that power of imagination. Um, and, and I always preach this is, uh, you know, we put a lot of emphasis in, uh, knowledge over imagination, but imagination is what got us here and it's, what's going to get us out of here. Hmm. Um, and if you look at every leader that's been through psychological hardships, um, and physical hardships, they've had to use their imagination to connect and play and create and figure out the best way to navigate through a cavern of dark, of, of dark mazes. Um, and then by doing that they're what's the word? Um, they can show others the way that they came from. Mm. Right. And then I can relate to that. When I can relate to that, there's someone who can relate to me. And then now we're just, we're just creating change just by you getting through those hardships and then expressing your story. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, every leader has a great story. Uh, and that's what we are in, uh, as human beings. We like, we, we like the imagination. We, we, uh, we can hear someone's story and then relate it to ours and go, yeah, like if you can do it, like, of course I can. And it's just getting over the hump of, am I discouraged? Um, and if I'm discouraged, finding the help I need to be encouraged. And then that encouragement turns into courage instead of fear, hmm. right? When you operate on fear, you don't move. You question everywhere you want to go and you don't do anything. Yeah. And, you know, and then when you operate on courage, which is the same, uh, same, I guess on the same line, different spec, different sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, courage takes you all different directions, right? All different directions. And all of a sudden you can see all the possibilities and it was always there. Mm-hmm. It was just what state of mind you were in when viewing what has, what's always there. And it's that imagination that, yeah. that, you know, it's, it's super important. They talk about like framing a lot, right? Take the same situation and look at it through a different lens if yes. you can. And that Kel had this, this, uh, saying that I saw in an email of hers, um, years and years ago. Um, she was kind of going on and on stream of consciousness. And then she said, uh, the brain changes, not the truth. And I think about that a lot. Like my situation from day to day doesn't change. She's still gone and still the same thing happened. Um, but the way I can feel differently about it every single day is like almost startling. Yeah. It's it, that frame, right? It's, uh, oh, what is it? Uh, learn, react and maintain. That's all we do hmm. is, is learn, react and maintain. Uh, we learn about our environment, we react to our environment and then we try to maintain it, uh, the best that we know how having those foundations, uh, whether it be your self care rituals that you do, whatever gives you that grounding, um, but our reality is incomprehensible, right? We, we, we create our reality. You know, we use words that, that define an object and then you have to use more words to, right. to, to explain <laughs> what we just used. Um, and that's the beauty of it though, is that we're using our imagination together to create a reality. It's just uh, kind of waking up that we have the power as individuals to work collectively to find a new story mm-hmm. than the one that we've been, uh, we've been building and the ones that we're now seeing all the cracks and, you know, the trauma that comes out of those cracks and everything. Right. Well, let's get into 
the psychology piece and, yeah. and your studies there, um, your journey as a student. You're going to a specific school studying a specific type, and yeah. you can lay out for me what that is and then like what what track you're pursuing and everything like that, and then we'll get bit more into the foundation and see. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I study Adlerian psychology, um, or in other words, it's called individual psychology. Um, and uh, by no means... I, I say this now, uh, I'm no expert. Right. Uh, I am just an informed individual, individual on this subject that I, uh, I find to be the best one to explain psychology in the most positive way um, that can uh, help the, uh, the average person understand on a very easy level without having to do all of the education, right? So um, the way Adler describes psychology, he came up around the same time that Freud did. Uh, and actually uh, followed up into psychoanalytic, uh, the psychoanalytic society and became the president. And about a year later, um, I believe he sort of separated. Wow. He didn't agree with how Freud was explaining the things that he was explaining and didn't agree that it was just all biological. He also took into the fact the environment, which mm. is what we were talking about earlier. And so he created uh, the first feminal, f- feminal, feminological, hoof. Um, you which can get is, that again. Yeah, right? Fem, feminological. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, and I probably butchered it again. I can never say this word. But essentially taking into the, um, the subject's uh, point of view, looking at the subject's point of view, right? So we all have a subjective reality that we work off of, right? I don't know what your reality is versus mine because the experiences that you had are different. So how you interpret that is different. So how you live is different. So that was the style of life also described by Adler, which we now uh, use in mainstream lifestyle. So it's more like your perception versus my perception as opposed to the subconscious and everything's just happening because yes. everybody wants to have sex. Like it's, yes. deep, it sounds a little bit more sophisticated. It's, um, it's more pragmatic. Okay. That would, that would be more. So Freud did a great job in his ability to recognize that there was an unconscious, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we can't deny that there isn't. And then Jung came around with all of his ideas, uh, after Freud to sort of add to that unconscious and really explored a lot of that subconscious and unconscious realms, archetypes, symbols, all of those things. Adler did something very different. He was just sort of seeing what was on the surface, but understanding what was on the surface was also a reflection of what was happening inside, right? Um, And so he took into account that your subjective reality is being influenced by not only your environment, but also by your creativity. And then if he were to take his shoes off and put yours on, he might make the same choices that you made that got you into the place that you find miserable. Mm -hmm. Um, So he saw himself no different than the person that he was uh, he was helping. It was just the fact that their circumstances and how they interpreted their yeah. circumstances uh, would be different. And so our job um, as Adlerians would be to sort of not uh, die, I wouldn't say not break down the person's uh, diagnosis or, or label them in that sense, but more or less see them as discouraged. So Adler didn't even believe that people were uh, necessarily sick. Um, He just felt that they were discouraged individuals and that they needed encouragement, they needed empowerment in order to start moving towards the useful side of life. Hmm. Um, So he also uh, came up with useful and useless, right? So let's say that 
uh, you are someone who is born in a household um, and you are abused in the household, right? And you grow up with that. Well, if you're growing up with that, then your interpretation of life is that life is hostile to you, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to build your armor up, right? And you have to make sure that your insides are protected. And when you do that, you have to battle all the time outside. Um, and because you're fighting against life, you're not working towards uh, society or to be beneficial to society. And then what ends up happening is you start moving to the useless side of life, which is not helping society, mm. right? And so you might become a criminal. You might take from life, right, instead of give to life in order to receive. Um, so you put that armor up, you isolate yourself, right, which is what we find with a lot of uh, people who um, are having psychological disturbances is they isolate themselves. Yeah. Um, they, they sort of cut themselves off from society. And when you do that, we know all the problems that, that happen with that. We're social creatures by nature, and we, we have the desire to belong. Adler believed that it wasn't any like, you know, sexual drives. It was the desire to belong, right? As human beings, we can, I mean, I, I feel we can accept that as, a, as something that's pretty intrinsic. You know, even a mm -hmm. person who goes to a gang, right? They're doing it because they didn't find any belonging in the family structure. Mm -hmm. And their environment has a gang that does a ceremony and a ritual. You know, you might have to go out and do a bad deed in order to get accepted into it. And there's that whole ritual there, the whole ceremony. And that brings you in and makes you feel like you belong, even if it's on the useless side, mm. because it's people's creativity that drives them, their subjectivity, so to say. Um, so he was sort of the first one to challenge Freud's ideas um, and then sort of say, no, look, it's both society and the individual and how the individual is reacting to society. Sure. Um, and then just looking at three life tasks, which were uh, occupation, um, their love life, um, and then community. So what is their job? Uh, how is, how are they contributing with their job to society? Right. If you have a, if your occupation is a criminal, then you're on the useless side. Right. But if your occupation is like, a, you know, a musician and you know, you're contributing to society with music, mm. that'd be on the useful side. Um, and then, uh, you would have love. So is it, you know, what is the purpose for your family? Are you there to contribute back to society with, uh, with kids? Um, uh, is it just to, you know, whatever it might be, um, and then going down into community. So what are you doing in your community to contribute, which may, you know, uh, also align with your, with your career or your occupation, or it might not, but just fulfilling those, uh, sort of those interests in society, will help someone move towards the useful side and sort of find that purpose and that meaning um, back into their life. And now what we're also finding in question is spirituality, right? This whole new thing of spirituality where, you know, there's been these defined religions and now people are sort of using their creativity mm -hmm. to create their own self-religion. Mm -hmm. And then that's what we call spirituality. So there's a lot of, uh, we're living in the time of uh, the most uh, creative um, sort of, uh, options, right? We have all this information out there. So it's how do we use it to sort of pick and choose a more desirable direction? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what Adler would think about social media because it's almost like <laughs> anti-social media. Like right now I had the foundation and we have a Twitter at, at, at KNF Amplified. We have Instagram and Facebook at Kelly Nicole Foundation, but I've been off it for like a month because it, it drags me down and I need to start getting ready to put this podcast together. And I just needed like 
my healing space to go where I can think and be productive. Yeah. Like, I wonder if, if Adler would say, you know, this isn't really belonging at all. This is isolating its competition, its self-consciousness. I don't know. What, what do you think? Um, so I'm not going to speak for him, <laughs> but, um, I would, I would have to say that there are, we have to just become more aware with the tools that we use. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times what we will do, um, is, and I'm speaking generally, but we'll distract ourselves with the tools instead of actually utilize them for what their, their purpose is. So we can go on social media and make thousands of dollars, uh, by just, doing, uh, I always use this word, create something creative, something that a new idea, sharing a new idea. Um, so you can use all of these outlets for, uh, for gains and then you can take those gains and then contribute them back into society. Mm. Right. So that would be useful. But now let's say that you go on social media just to vent or critique, right. Someone else. Well, that's very negative. Right. And that's very, uh, that's now, if I read that, that's going to affect how I might think. Um, and you know, you go to a comment section, oh my gosh, (laughs) right? Yeah. Game over. Um, so yeah. And that would be useless because what's the purpose of those comments? It's those negative comments don't have a purpose for society. They have a purpose for the person who's sending it out there because they're angry at whatever the messages are sending out. Which is just the anonymity piece. It basically makes that whole thing possible. People wouldn't do that as much face to face. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so it's 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 I think there's a place for it. It's being more aware of how we utilize our tools. You know, same thing with our phone. We have, we have a supercomputer in our pocket and people will use it um all the time as a distraction to get out of the the things that they're supposed to be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Um or the things they could be paying attention to. Um uh, maybe not supposed to is a is the correct word. Mm-hmm. Um but it's, it's utilizing your time with the tools that you have at our disposal. Some people do it very well so they can, they can make huge gains in productivity, right? And then some people get distracted by their tools. And then the tools actually become their sort of activity of productivity. Hmm. And it's not productive and it doesn't help uh, doesn't help society. So it's, it's, um, it's getting the idea that, you know, Adler, if he was to critique our environment, I think today is that, you know, especially in, um, the U S it's, it's taking this idea that our lives are the most important, but saying that everyone else's lives are the most important. Mm -hmm. And because everyone else's lives are the most important, that makes our life important. What's, what's the Adlerian, kind of stance or theory on on that all of our behavior is driven by self-preservation that there's so much you know the sex and money and everything that drives so many people because the things you're talking about are very idealistic Mm -hmm. contribute to society you know have a a truly reciprocal love in your life uh have these spiritual goals there's so many people that again looking from the outside it seems like they're after something different and it seems like it might be something just a little more shallow um it's so you're you're talking about a reductionist sort of mentality, mm. uh, the reductionist mentality uh, that we've seen in science. So for Freud, his was big on trying to pinpoint um, actual locations in the body that you'd be able to determine how someone's behaving, um, and 
you, you, it's, I mean, we still can't figure out the brain to this day. I mean, we mm. have, we have, we have ideas and we have a lot of them and we have regularities, but there's still tons of questions, tons of questions and tons of stuff we're still figuring out. But he truly believed that he could find something and pinpoint it because he was very much, uh, going after the biological model. Um, and the, biological model is a reductionist idea. It's where if I keep reducing and take, keep, keep taking off the material layers, right? I'll be able to find the root problem. Holy shit. Yeah. I saw that flash. I was like, was that my phone? Yeah. No, that was lightning. No, that was lightning. Wow. Uh, or the, uh, the, uh, the media outside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they can't get enough of the killing. Yeah. They can't function. get enough of us. <laughs> so this, so that's the optimism piece is that everything isn't necessarily biological. Individuals can make decisions. They affect their surroundings or their surroundings affect them. Um, it's interesting. I'm, I'm always thinking that I'm kind of an optimist, but at the same time, there are, you know, doctors out there who say, well, if, you know, this tiny particle, the a millionth of the size of a head of a pin is at this point in your brain, then you're going to be a sociopath. And it mm. just sounds so predetermined. Yeah. It's, it's to give us, um, it's to give us and I, it's to give us an idea that the world we live in is, uh, what's the word? Sturdy ground to stand on. Hmm. I will say, um, maybe there's a better way to phrase it. It's to give us an idea that there's permanence or there's regularity or there's, uh, there's something concrete. Right. And, uh, that's been a lot of the psych, the psychology in Western culture. It's, uh, if I can reduce all the way down to the very thing that makes reality, then I should be able to explain it and understand it. Well, we get to matter, mm-hmm. right? And then science goes, "Oops, no, nope. <laughs> we can't figure it out." Here. It's yeah, all and as a matter of fact, we're going to stop talking about it altogether because, wow. yeah, it's we, it's it's um, it's the whole thing is elusive. Um, you know, in, in yoga traditions, it, you know, they called uh, they called what we experience in physical reality a uh, maya or illusion, hmm. right? Um, you know, Jung brought up shadows. So everything that you, uh, and this wouldn't be in Jung's words, um, more in my interpretation, uh, is, you know, everything you see is a shadow of the actual light, um, that we all come from. Hmm. Right. Uh, cause you need light in order to see all the things that are around us. Um, and so it's just very interesting. Uh, it's, our universe is a lot weirder, then we like to believe, um, you know, we always toss around, uh, the only thing that is permanent is change. Right. Right. And it's because in order to have, it's, um, in order to have movement, you have to have tension and tension only exists when you have opposites. And as those opposites are on the outside, think of like yin and yang, right. As they're on the outside, those are your more individual agencies. So that's uh, you operating. And then as you get more uh, towards the center, right, it's more um, of the balance. And it's not just, you realize it's not just you, but it's the whole thing that's happening that makes you you. Get the music behind the mission. Hate Becoming by Kelly Nicole on iTunes and Spotify. If you guys haven't checked out the merch table, join the movement. Buy the album. Get your Kelly Nicole band merch and donate what you can at kellynicolefoundation.org. Courage is from Amplified!